Good morning. Welcome to PBC again. My name is Scott Krantz. It's my joy to welcome you into our worship service this morning and to wish you happy Palm Sunday. Let me begin with a question. It's a rather big question. What do you want? Now, if you think about that question for a few minutes, no doubt you're going to come up with many answers. But perhaps one of the answers would be, you want to be wanted. What do I want? I want to be wanted. Here's another question. What does Jesus want? Now, we can imagine that Jesus would answer this question in many ways also. But we don't have to imagine all that much to get a few answers from the scriptures. In fact, in the Gospel of Luke, in a text we're going to look at this morning, he comes right out and tells us what he wants. What you want and what Jesus wants. What do they have to do with each other? We're going to find out this morning by looking at a couple of texts in the Gospel of Luke. We have been looking at the book of Lamentations. We've spent five weeks in Lamentations in a Lent series examining this amazing book. And in that book, Jeremiah is looking back at the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 BC by the Babylonians. Now today we're going to look at the Lamentations of Jesus, and the, the Lamentations of Jeremiah and the Lamentations of Jesus have much in common. Jesus also is lamenting the destruction of Jerusalem, but he is looking forward because Jerusalem had been rebuilt and had been embellished, but he was looking forward to the, you can say looking forward being the right word, but looking forward to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD by the Romans. These are the lamentations of Jesus. So, uh, we, 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 in, in the book of Lamentations, Jeremiah says, somewhat tentatively, there may yet be hope. And so we ask the question, especially in considering New Testament texts, is there hope for this broken world? And we're going to find out today. We're looking at two texts in the Gospel of Luke, the second of which is a Palm Sunday text. First of all, we're in Luke chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. This is before Jesus got to Jerusalem, but he was anticipating that day in his journey toward Jerusalem. Luke 13, verse 34. Here's his lament. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken. Jesus wants to gather Jerusalem the way a mother hen gathers her chicks. He wants to protect Jerusalem, and he wants to nurture Jerusalem, and not just the city, because the city stands as a metaphor for all the people of Israel. He wants to protect and nurture the people of Israel, but Israel is unwilling. He says, how often I wanted to do this, literally how often I wanted to do this. And this speaks of his, uh, the depth of his desire and the persistence of his desire. He wants desperately to gather Jerusalem to protect Jerusalem really from the wrath of God. The wrath of God is, is coming unless they turn, just like the wrath of God came in Jeremiah's day. He wants to protect, her, protect them and nurture them. 
He wants this desperately, but literally, they are not wanting. Jesus wants something for them that is good for them, but they do not want it. They want something else. They want something that's actually bad for them, even though they think it's something that's good for them. You see, as Jesus is wanting to gather Jerusalem, what is Jerusalem doing? For the most part, it's gathering arms. It's gathering it together and, and taking up arms and planning a rebellion against Rome, the superpower of the day that it was oppressing them. And Jesus will later in the Gospel of Luke accuse them of turning the house of the Lord, that is the temple, into a den of insurrectionists. So Jesus here is inviting, but he's not forcing. Jesus does not force himself on us. He invites, he woos, but he invites and he, offer, he offers himself and he, he leaves it up to us. He gives us the dignity of choice. Consider the imagery. It's, it's the, the hen with the wings spread open wide. The hen does not go chasing after the chicks. The hen opens wide her wings and invites the chicks to come in order to protect the chicks from some sort of external threat. Then Jesus is going to protect them ultimately from the wrath of God, but also from their rebellious ways as well. And Jesus says, your house, that is the temple, is forsaken, forsaken by God. You see, this is the place where God dwelt symbolically. When the temple was first uh, built, he filled it with his glory, his visible presence. And after the temple was rebuilt, there's no evidence that he ever filled it that way again. In, in any event, the people are not following him, so this, this, this building, which is supposed to be God's house, is just a shell of a, a building. It's just a, it's just a building. It can be destroyed. It doesn't matter anymore because the people have forsaken the Lord. Therefore, the Lord has forsaken the house. The children of Israel, the children of Jerusalem, that's, that's the people. It's not just the kids. It's the people. They don't want the Lord. They don't want... They don't want Jesus. They don't want what he is offering. And Jeremiah said something similar in Lamentations chapter 1, verse 16, speaking for Jerusalem. My children are desolate, for the enemy has prevailed. That's our first text, Luke chapter 13. Now on to our Palm Sunday text, which is found in Luke chapter 19. Now, the children did a wonderful job of describing for us the triumphal entry, but on the same day as Jesus approached Jerusalem, he said something about Jerusalem, and we're, we're going to look at that text. Luke chapter 19, verse 41. And when he drew near to Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. That's the people. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. So, can you imagine what Jesus is going through? Desperately wanting to gather Jerusalem, desperately wanting to 
nurture and protect Jerusalem, and Jerusalem doesn't want it. And finally, when Jerusalem comes into view, he sees the city, yes, but not just the city, he sees into the hearts of the people, and he weeps. He weeps over it. He weeps over what the people are doing to themselves. They don't want him. They don't want what he's offering. They don't want the peace that he's offering. They don't want the Lord. They want something different. And he can see that they're going to reject him. He weeps. Likewise, Jeremiah wept over Jerusalem in the book of Lamentations. Chapter 3, verse 48, Jeremiah says this, My eyes flow with rivers of tears because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. That's Jerusalem. And Jesus wishes they had known the things that make for peace, but he says, now that they are, now they are hidden from your eyes. You see, the people of Jerusalem, the people of Israel have been so resistant for so long that they've reached the point of no return. And sometimes if people are so resistant for so long, God just cooperates with that. If people have hardened their hearts against him, he lets them do that. He actually gives them a helping hand. If this is what you want, he gives them the dignity of choice and says, here, you can have it. And then ultimately they reach the point of no return where they, they can't actually see truth anymore. This is what seems to have happened to Jerusalem. The things that make for peace have been hidden from their eyes, hidden by God because of their own choice. Peace, that's what Jesus is offering. He's offering peace with God and peace with others insofar as peace with others is possible. They don't want peace, most of them don't want peace with Rome. They don't want peace with the Romans. They want rebellion against the Romans. But Jesus is offering peace. First of all, peace with God. If you have peace with God, then you can work real hard to have peace with others. What are the things that make for peace? They begin with forsaking self-rule and submitting to the rule of Jesus, the Messiah, the King. Submitting to his rule. These are the things that make for peace. Jerusalem doesn't want those things. And Jesus says, because they don't want these things, days will come upon Jerusalem. Days not of peace, but days of war and destruction. And here he's looking forward to what's going to happen in 70 AD. When Jerusalem and Israel, they take up arms against the Romans and the Romans put down the rebellion. You see, Jesus wants to gather the people. But what's going to happen? The enemies are going to surround them. Jesus wants to surround them with his wings, but instead, because they don't want that, the Romans, the Roman armies are going to surround Jerusalem, hem it in, destroy it, leave no stone upon another. When a king came to town, it was called a day of visitation, and Jesus is the king. He's Jerusalem's rightful king, and he's coming to town. This is the day of visitation because the, the king is here, but Jerusalem cannot see it, cannot recognize the day of visitation because they cannot recognize the king. And we ask ourselves, why not? Why, why couldn't they see? Why couldn't Jerusalem see the king coming to her? The people were blinded by power, as so many people are. 
many people were, were wanted to wanted the power. They wanted to overthrow Rome and have all the power for themselves. They were blinded by that lust for earthly power. There were others who were more in bed with the Romans and collaborated with the Romans, and they they managed to arrange for themselves a you know, pretty healthy lives for themselves. And, and, and so they didn't want any upstarts like Jesus messing with the status quo. So Jesus pretty much upset everyone, both the nationalists who wanted revolution and the collaborators who wanted the status quo. These people were blinded by power, the desire for power or the desire to hold on to power. The same is true today. Many people simply cannot see Jesus for who he is. They cannot see what Jesus is doing because they are blinded by power. They're committed to self-rule or some other form of rule that doesn't include the Prince of Peace. And of course, Jesus' words were fulfilled in 70 AD. And so somebody at that time looking upon Jerusalem in 70 AD could say the same thing that Jeremiah said in the first verse of the book of Lamentations, where he says, how lonely sits the city that was full of people. I wonder today, is Jesus weeping today? Is he weeping because of maybe what the church in the United States is doing? And how the church in the United States, or at least many parts of the church, are blinded by power. Either, either the lust and the desire for power or the lust or the desire to hold on to power. Now let's think about what all of this means for us. Back to the original question. What do you want? Maybe you want to be wanted. What does Jesus want? He comes right out and tells us here. He wants you. You want to be wanted, and Jesus wants you. He wants to protect you from the wrath of God, and he wants to nurture you in the love of God. And of course, he does this, first of all, by going to the cross. He says, how often I wanted to gather you. This speaks of the persistence of his desire, the depth of, of, of his desire. He wants you. He never stops wanting you. How do you know when someone wants you? Two things. They invite you and they welcome you. Uh, think how nice it is to get an invitation to something that you actually want to go to. Or someone who you really like invites you to come over. That, that, that lets you know that you're that you're wanted, right? You want to be invited. And then you're, you want to be welcomed. When you, when you come in the door, someone who has invited you is happy to see you. It's so great to have you here. Thank you so much for coming. You want to be in, invited and you want to be welcomed. Again, consider the imagery. The mother hen, wings outstretched, inviting. You come to the mother hen, what does the mother hen do? Envelops you, welcomes you, closes her wings around you, lets you know that she is happy you're here. 
And of course, there are these great invitations in the Gospels. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Jesus in the Gospels is inviting us. Jesus today is inviting you. Jesus is inviting everyone in the entire world to come to him. Can you hear him today? Can you see the imagery in your mind of the mother hen? Use the imagery. The scriptures give us great word pictures to work with. Let those images sink into your minds. But of course, just because someone says they want you doesn't mean they really want you. Or it might mean that they want you for some nefarious purposes. Many people have been thought they were wanted and invited and even welcomed, but then they were abused and they were discarded. So perhaps you're suspicious of being wanted, and rightly so, because so many people send out invitations and they welcome people and they want to use you, they want to abuse you, and perhaps that's happened to you and you're suspicious. In the, in the musical The Man of La Mancha, there's this... Uh, character, this kitchen maid by the name of Aldonza. And she's been used, she's been abused, and she's very suspicious of anything that looks like love. And she says this in one of her songs, actually she sings it, one pair of arms is like another. I don't know why or who's to blame. I'll go with you or your brother. It's all the same. It's all the same. So do not talk to me of love. I'm not a fool with starry eyes. Just put your money in my hand, and you will get what money buys. Aldonza is suspicious. If you're suspicious, imagine this scenario. You know that there's a group of people out there who hate you. They, they just, they despise you. And, and you know that they want to kill you. And you know that they are going to kill you. And when they kill you, they're going to take a long time to do it to make sure that you suffer. And when they kill you, they are going to strip you naked. And when they kill you, they are going to do so publicly in order to expose you to open shame. And when they kill you, they're gonna mock you. You know all of this is, is going to happen. What are you thinking about these people? Jesus did not have to imagine such a scenario. He lived it. Not surprisingly, he wept. <laughs> if all this was coming upon you, wouldn't you also weep? But why did he weep? What does our text say? What does Luke say? He wept over the city. He didn't weep for himself. He wept for them. He wept for the people who were going to torture him to death. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the love that is in this man? to weep in such a way for them? 
This is the love that conquers the world, my friends. And this is the love that conquers your suspicions. And by the way, Aldonza in the movie and musical Men of La Mancha is won over by the Christ figure, the impossible love of the Christ figure, the man of La Mancha, Don Quixote. It's the impossible love of Jesus that wins us over. And it's all over the Gospels, and especially here in these texts. What do you want? Maybe you want to be wanted. What does Jesus want? He wants you. How do we understand this? How do we understand the love of God? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I try, and I, I see it, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm resistant just like the rest of you. I, there's something about me that just that can't completely, well, maybe none of us ever can completely understand this kind of love. It is so foreign to us. But if anyone came close to understanding it at one particular moment in time, it was a fellow by the name of Brennan Manning. And uh, he decided that he was going to live in a cave for seven months. And that's what he did. And he, uh, he had his meals lowered down to him by a rope. He didn't see anybody for seven months. And he spent the whole seven months in prayer and reflection. He awoke every morning at 2 a.m. in order to pray, in order to reflect. And on a one particular morning, he, he sensed the Lord Jesus telling him this. For love of you, I left my father's side. I came to you who ran from me, fled from me, who did not want to hear my name. For love of you, I was covered with spit, punched, beaten, and affixed to the cross of wood. And he says this, I realized that no man has ever loved me and no one ever could love me as he did. I went out of the cave, stood on the precipice, and shouted, into the darkness. Jesus, are you crazy? Are you out of your mind to have loved me this much? And that's almost what we have to do to understand it, is to, is to think of some crazy man. And by the way, the Christ figure in Man of La Mancha, he's crazy. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's what we got to do to try to understand it. So, what do you do? I don't think you're ever going to understand the love of Jesus completely, but you can understand it somewhat based on this text and the work of the Spirit in your hearts. Come to Jesus. He's inviting you. Come to Jesus. Let him shelter you. Let him nurture you in the love of God. And always remember, if you are unwanted by a man or by a woman, if you're unwanted by a group of people, if you're unwanted by an employer, if you are unwanted by a school, if you are unwanted for some other reason, always remember, Jesus wants you, and he's the son of God. He wants you. Have you come to know Jesus yet? 
Let me speak for a few minutes to those of you who may be seeking. You're, you're watching because maybe you think there's something to all of this. Can you hear Jesus? Can you hear him calling to you? I have to say to you that the words of Jesus here include a warning because the things that happened to Jerusalem in 586 BC and 70 AD are a harbinger of worse things to come for those who reject the salvation of Jesus Christ, his gracious and loving uh, offer. Here's what our friend uh, Brian Morgan says at PBC Cupertino. I believe Jesus emphasized the severity of this tribulation because he wanted every generation to feel the weight of their choices as exemplary of what lay in store for those who refused the gospel. Being in hell will be like being held captive in a city under siege, shut up in a sealed tomb inside a community that devours one another, surrounded by people yet totally alone. And Jesus wants to shelter you from all of that, protect you from all of that, and nurture you in the love of God. It is possible to come to the point where you've been so resistant for so long that there's no going back. Well, today's not that day because you're listening to this. You're hearing my voice. You're hearing, more importantly, the voice of Jesus calling to you. Can you hear him? He's saying Come to me. The scriptures say that today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Today is the day of visitation. Jesus is visiting you today. Put your trust in him. Come to him. Let him gather you. Let him protect you. Let him love you. Feel that love. Know him. And know salvation. And then get baptized. We're going to baptize people next week on Easter Sunday. It's a great time. Come to Jesus today. Get baptized on Sunday. Forsake self-rule and come to Jesus. Have you ever come across somebody that you'd really like to know? Maybe you see somebody from afar, or, or maybe it's even a celebrity or something like that. You see somebody or a musician or a movie star or something. You know, I kind of like to know that person. Well, how about someone who, who loves so much that he weeps for those who torture him to death? Do you think you'd like to know that person? You can. His name is Jesus, of course. Now, Jeremiah wept for Jerusalem. Jesus wept for Jerusalem. But Jeremiah could not die for Jerusalem. For that, you need the sinless Son of God, and there's only been one of those. Jesus said to Jerusalem, days will come upon you. Days will come upon Jerusalem. And the days that came upon, that he said would come upon Jerusalem, came upon him. He said to Jerusalem, your house is forsaken. What did he say when he was crucified outside the gates of Jerusalem? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he was forsaken by God in order order that he could gather us to himself, protecting us from God's wrath, nurturing us in God's love. 
what Jesus wants and what you want have much to do with one another. You want to be wanted, and Jesus desperately wants you. And think about this. When you come to him, you satisfy his desires. It is very easy to satisfy the desires of the Son of God. You simply come to him. You let him envelop you in his love. Now, Jesus says to Jerusalem, there's going to be a day, there's a day of visitation, and, and he laments because Jerusalem cannot see it. But there will come another day of visitation. Jesus indeed will come again. And when he comes again, he will bring with him the new creation. That is the new heavens and the new earth. And, and, and that's going to last forever. And those who have longed for his coming, longed for his appearing, will, will rejoice and they will spend eternity in the new creation enjoying Jesus forever. Is there hope for this broken world. Indeed, there is, but it's in Jesus. My hope is found in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Well, we have the great opportunity, especially in light of what we have heard today from Jesus, to partake of the Lord's table. Jesus says, come, to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and we have the opportunity to come to Jesus today. And this is, this is his invitation. This, this, this represents his body and his blood, broken on the cross, shed on the cross for you. And we have this awesome opportunity then to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. So, uh, Maybe you need to get your elements ready uh, at home, and, uh, but I hope this is a meaningful experience to you, for you today as you have really listened to what Jesus has to say and connected maybe a little more deeply with his love for you. Let me pray, and then you can partake when you feel ready. Uh, Lord Jesus, um, how do we understand such love? I don't know that we can. But Spirit, you, you are here with us to help us to understand that. Uh, and I pray for everyone who is here today that they, will, they would be able to understand just a little bit more about the love of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, because your love is expressed here in this table, in your body, in your blood, broken and shed for us. Thank you so much for loving us so much, for wanting us, for never stopping to want us. And you know what? I think we want you too. Amen.